Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is a View from the Bullens podcast. Listen to all the news, views and inside track from Goodison Park. This is a View from the Bullens podcast, sponsored by The Beer Killer, Liverpool One. Welcome back to another episode here at A View from the Bullens. I'm, of course, the Bobber, and joining me is my good friend Paddy Boylan from The Athletic. Paddy, it's good to see you, mate. Yeah, good to see you, mate. How are things? Not too bad. Have you recovered from Saturday's horrible, horrible day at Goodison Park? No, I haven't, to be honest. It was funny, I did, um, I did a podcast on Saturday and it must have gone out pretty late in the evening after the game. And I got a message from a mate the following day on the Sunday and said, have you seen this YouTube comment? And it was basically a YouTube comment saying, I saw Paddy going into a shop in Southport, where I was for the under-21s game. And it, he looked absolutely fuming. <laughs> I was like, I probably still was. <laughs> I was probably still annoyed at the results on Saturday. The result, but also the performance, because I think what we saw from kind of the second goal on was pretty unacceptable in terms of standards, in terms of ability on the pitch, application, trying to change the momentum of a game. I think they fell way below what you would expect from an Everton team in in those moments. So that was the frustration for me because you looked at that as like one of the eminently winnable games from the, the run of eight, as it was then. That was the one you... With Bournemouth on the final day, you penciled it and said, you've got to win those two. And then you've got a path to survival, kind of an easy path to survival. But they've not done that and they got what they deserved, I felt. Mm. I spoke to you obviously after the game in private on WhatsApp and you shared the same feeling as me, didn't you? You thought Sean Dyche got it wrong in a 4-4-2. Yeah, I've been thinking about this for the last few days. Um, For me, it all boils down to the failure to replace Ducore, I think it's got in everybody's heads. Ducore, obviously, really important tactically in what Dice is looking to do. Joins the attack to make it a, a two when Everton are pressing or kind of pushing forward with the ball. But also when teams navigate Everton's press, drops back to make it a three in midfield. 
And I think that dual role where he's supporting the attack, creating efforts on goal, but then also supporting his teammates defensively, Idris again and Amadou Anana, I think that's massive. And for me, there's only one other, other player in this Everton squad that can do that role. He's playing out on the right wing, Alex Awobi. So the, the, it's quite clear to me that there's been a drop-off since Ducore's suspension, since the end of that Tottenham game. I think it coincides with Ducore being out, suspended. And I think it also, in Dyche's head, it's become such a big thing that he's tried to reinvent the wheel. Everton have moved far away from what they were doing so successfully under Dyche, where it was, let's keep it tight. We'll have Ducore breaking from midfield, getting back to make it 4-5-1 when we don't have the ball. Being tough to break down and just nicking something, either from a set piece or a, a good moment of individual skill. What they've done instead is, is push higher up the pitch, play with two strikers often. And I think it's almost shone a, a spotlight, a glaring spotlight on all the weaknesses elsewhere. Fullback positions, central midfield for me. Individually, I don't think either Jason Gay or James Garner had a terrible game. But them going up 2v3 in there against Fulham's three, I thought it was an accident waiting to happen. And it meant Everton was second to everything, second to the to the the second ball, second to be in the box, second to respond to things when it was when it was dropping. I mean, you, you look at the second Fulham goal, which is the turning point in the game. Say what you like about Ben Godfrey's defending at the far post, and it was really not good. But Harry Wilson is completely unmarked in the centre of that goal, and nobody's anywhere near him to score. So they have moved far away. They deviated too far from what they were doing well and the blueprint that was bringing them relative success. And I think that's on Dice. It's kind of, I've not got Ducore here. I need to go go down a different route. My concern is they've maybe gone too far away. And I think that's why we've had the, particularly the poor performance against Fulham. What, why do you think he's changed the system, Paddy? And I know it's really hard. You know, we spoke off air. He, he obviously watched the Manchester United game. We obviously got well beaten at Old Trafford. Went with the four four two. It could have been more in reality. Everton were very lucky that it was only, you know, what it actually ended up at. How can he, in my opinion, how can he watch that game at Old Trafford then believe that we're going to go with the same system again, but probably worse off because there's no Amadou Onana and obviously no Seamus Coleman, but looking at the midfield as a whole, there's no Onana and then you're giving James Garner his first start of the season in a flat two. I found that absolutely baffling. And I've said on a previous podcast, Sean Dyche has got a lot of things right since yeah. coming into the football club, a lot of things right. Yeah, He got it wrong against Manchester United, and you think, right, okay, you've tried something, it didn't work. We're now without Amadou Nana for Fulham as well. Go back to what we know, go back to what we know. And he, he didn't do that. No, you, you, You're just hoping and praying, aren't you, now that down at Sowers Park on Saturday, big game down at Crystal Palace, we cannot go with a flat two again, surely. I don't think they can. I don't think they can afford to from an Everton perspective, but also looking at what Crystal Palace are likely to bring to the table too. They've got runners in midfield, people like Eze, who are in top form, that like to kind of surge through the middle. So I think you need extra cover in those central areas. And I also think the the wingers are going to have to help out the the, the fullbacks here because of the, the, the match-ups in those areas, whether it's Elise v. Mikalenko or Godfrey on one side... And maybe on the other side, Jordan Ayew or Wilfred Zaha against either Seamus Coleman, uh, Ben Godfrey or Nathan Patterson. I don't think they're favourable for Everton. 
so on dice he's got a decision to make and i think the decision if he if he analyzes the two games that have just gone is to revert back to what everton were doing so well in those games before he put everton in a great place i think to to avoid relegation when you look at that really tough run of games that started with arsenal at home they were picking up points even if they lost the game they bounced back well when they were conceding goals in games they were again bouncing back well unearning kind of hard four points um, Chelsea and uh, uh, Chelsea and uh, home to Tottenham. But I think what Dyche has done since, as we're saying, is he's he's, he's moved far away from. Them. He's, he said something quite interesting to us in the press conference after the game, and he was effectively asked why he persevered with four four two. And his response was that he feels as though without Ducore, he has to do something different, and he's trying to find solutions that make Everton more effective at the top end of the pitch scoring the goals they need without sacrificing the defensive solidity. Do you think now, that's because he doesn't like Gray on the wing, Paddy? Sorry to interject. Do you think that's because he doesn't want to move Iwobi inside and then put Gray out wide? Yeah, I, I think there's an element to this. Iwobi's position is really interesting because I've I, I've always referred to him, whether it was under Lampard or Daesh, as the babysitter for the, for the full-backs. And what I mean by that is, if you watch him, he's kind of shuttling up and down the flank trying to make sure the fullbacks are protected. Now, Everton, if, for me, if you look at Everton's side at the moment, there are two glaring weak points. One is fullback and the other one's centre-forward. Dominic Calvert-Lewin might rectify the centre-forward issue, hopefully, in the games that come. But the solutions of fullback are not quite as easy. And I think that's why successive managers now have trusted Iwobi to kind of sit in and protect wherever possible. If you shift Iwobi inside, then probably you've got to go with Damari Gray at the moment in, in the wide areas. And Dice has already said that he wants to see more application, more work, create more running from Gray. And I think he wants to conserve him for those really short, sharp bursts in the attack. So there's no easy solution here, particularly not a fullback, but probably further forward. I think the hope has to be that I think Seamus Coleman at the moment on form is comfortably the best fullback at the club. So you have to get him fit. Amadou Onana's injury is being described as minor at the moment. So getting back, and I think that's a big plus in the centre of the park for Everton, kind of adds the physicality that they were lacking against Fulham. And then you've got Ducore back, in theory, after his suspension for the game against Newcastle next Thursday night. Add Calvert-Lewin to the mix, and all of a sudden you've got some big hitters back. But the problem we've got at the moment is that Everton haven't got the squad depth to withstand three or four injuries. Certainly not three or four injuries to key players. And if I asked you who are Everton's most important players between now and the end of the season, you'd list Calvert-Lewin, Ducore, Coleman, Onana. All four of them have been out. And I think Daesh has tried to compensate. He's tried to find ways around those problems and effectively thought to himself, this blueprint can't work. The blueprints of before can't work with without those players. But as I said earlier, I think he's maybe just moved so far away now from what they were doing well, but they just opened up a can of worms elsewhere. They, they, they can't do that against Palace on Saturday. I think if they do, they'll get cut open. You think he got away with one? Do you think Sean Dyche has got away with one psychologically more so than anything with results going our way? Obviously, Leeds get hammered at home to, to Liverpool. Leicester failed to win. Nottingham Forest failed to win. Southampton failed to win. It, psychologically, Everton's still not being in the drop zone after that real tough day against Fulham. That's a big deal still, isn't it? Especially for professional footballers. That mindset and mentality to still not be in the drop zone. 
That's quite a big thing still, I think. Yeah, I think it is, psychologically. Even if you're ahead on on goal difference as it stands, I think that there is something to be said for feeling like you're the ones in control of your own destiny. We, we speak about Everton getting away with one. I think they have in the main. If you look at the results around them, Leeds against Liverpool was one you looked at and thought, can Leeds get something from that game? Obviously, that didn't go very well at all. Nottingham Forest are on a losing run. Leicester, despite having top 10 quality in terms of the players on their books, are still losing games of football and in some cases losing heavily. But Everton can't continue to rely on those sides around them. And I think the best message there, the the best indication of that is you look at what Bournemouth are doing right now. And Bournemouth, in the space of two or three weeks, with a couple of wins, are now at a point where I'd say they're they're more or less out of relegation trouble. If you get two wins on the spin, and this is a positive for Everton, by the way, if you get two wins on the spin out of anywhere, you're clear of this because of how tight it is and how many points you're going to need. Ultimately, you're going to need 35, 36 points potentially to stay up. So a couple of wins and you're banging the mix. So Bournemouth are probably the only ones you look at. And I have to go back to when we did our last podcast together, Mick, and we we were in the... I think we were in the studio close to Bramley Moor. You asked me which teams I was looking at, and I said Bournemouth, Forest, and Southampton. Well, we've got two of those still in the mix, and Bournemouth might just be out of it, so they've been the surprise. I kind of think it's probably now Southampton, Forest, plus one. And the plus one could be Everton, it could be Leeds, or it could be Leicester. So you've got kind of one from three scenario here. And there's a lot riding on those next three games. Palace away, Leicester away, and, and Newcastle at home. If Everton can pick up a win or two, they'll be fine. How many points do you think we need from those three games? From Palace, Leicester, Newcastle. Two on the road, one at Goodison. Four minimum. Four minimum. I, the one you can't afford to lose is, is Leicester. Agreed. That, that, That's a six-point that, swing. That, to me, already feels like Burnley away last year. Which is horrible, by the way, because I never want to revisit that game ever again. Um, oh, that was I'd, a tough I'd, night. That was a really tough night, mate. I'd, I'd love to blank it from my mind because I'll be honest, after that night, I thought Everton were gone. That was one of the worst nights for me as an Evertonian, yeah, comfortably. I thought Everton had gone. And you know what? I think most people at the club, thought most the players thought they were gone. The players well. thought we were gone that night. They all slumped to their knees. They were on the floor. Yeah, we looked a club done. So, so, so Leicester has the fit. The early feel of that for me. Now, that could change if Everton pick up points in the next few games and all of a sudden it's less important. But um, you have to get the business done on the pitch. And Dice is right in one sense. He's always said Everton need to not to look too much at other results and focus on themselves. Focus on the points you need and go from there. I think collectively they've let themselves down in the last few games in terms of selection, in terms of performances. I still think the 11 that were on the pitch at the end of that um, Fulham game should have done better. And they should have done better and, and, and found a way to win that game, particularly when it was 1-1. Um, but he's waiting on the cavalry to return now, isn't he? I think you've got kind of very important players on their way back. And the key is going to be getting those guys fit and ready and then featuring in as many games as possible. If, if you've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Seamus Coleman for the last six or seven games, then you give yourself a real chance. No, I agree with you. I really, really do. And I think you are right in terms of bringing the cavalry back. And I do agree in terms of those four players are absolutely massive for Everton. Coleman, for obvious reasons, 
Amadro Nana and Decore are arguably the two engines, the legs in Everton's midfield. And then Dominic Calvert-Lewin, we just don't have a player that can play that sort of role. Replay, he's irreplaceable in this Everton team. But looking ahead to Crystal Palace, there's obviously some big fixtures elsewhere. Would you take a point? Do you think a point's enough at Sowers Park? It depends, doesn't it? It depends. If, if Leicester and Forest and Southampton go and win, then a point doesn't look great for Everton. Um, but if you offered it to me now, yeah, I would take it because Palace are, are revitalised, resurgent since... Roy Hodgson took charge. I wouldn't have necessarily expected that response, but sometimes new managers come in with different ideas and it just gives the players a lift. I think the best example of that from an Everton perspective was when Duncan Ferguson replaced Marco Silva and the players had been so weighed down and so saturated by really heavy tactical sessions on the training ground that Duncan coming in and saying 4-4-2 and we're going to play it long early to two strikers, just got something out of them. It was just a breath of fresh air to those players and they ran through brick walls for them. And I think probably the same's happened there at Palace. They're, they're on a roll. Key players coming back and key players in great form. So, for example, Eberechi who I think is a fantastic young talent, is in his best form this season, heading into the, the game on Saturday. So it's going to be really tough. I'm sure the crowd will be right behind them. Sellers Park can be a difficult place to go anyway, as we know. Um, from a media point of view and probably from a fan point of view, it's not my favourite place to visit. It, it's far away. It takes ages to get there. The, the view from the press box isn't great. I don't like the view from the away end. But Everton going to have to put all that behind them and and, and put that to one side and, and, and try and grind something out. It, it's going to have to be a solid performance where they do the basics well. Defending numbers, really key. I think that whoever's playing on the wing, and it, you're probably looking at a Wobi and Dwight McNeil here, that they help the fullbacks out, that they give the fullbacks enough protection against some very good players in in Elise and uh, Eze and Zaha. They're going to have to help them out. So probably take a point right now, but let's see come Saturday whether it's it's all relative to what's going on around us. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. So, depending on who's back or not back, regardless of that, four five one for you or four two three one, however you want to call it, is that what you'd go with? That's what I would be going with. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I, I I actually would go back to something pretty similar to what we saw against Tottenham, against Chelsea in the games before that. Obviously, Ducore is not going to be there for one game, but I think you can afford to give a Wobi or James Garner a bit of a role. 
and that we've seen Garner's got the energy to, to to make tackles and win the ball back. Got a good shot on him, strikes the ball really well. Or if you go with a Wobi there, then you've got an extra creative body in, in the midfield. I think a Wobi helps with the press. So they're the two options for me that I look at and think that's probably the way Dice should go. If he's not going to do that, then just play a really solid three. And let's get back to what Everton were doing really well, which was which was grinding out points, playing some nice football at times still. I think that the football in those early games was underrated, but being direct, being aggressive, all those kind of things. If I, if I was going to describe the second half performance against Fulham in one word, it would be limp. It was kind of dull and lifeless. I was kept on expecting a reaction from everyone. Yeah. Kept on expecting Goodison to kind of vent its frustration, but it never really came. I kept on expecting the players to get frustrated with the situation and make a, a, a dangerous tackle or to grab the bull by the horns and go on and do something really spectacular. And none of that really materialised. I find that a worry. I find that a concern because I think the ones that do well are the ones that rage against the dying of the light. And Everton at the moment, it, it just the Fulham game felt like meek acceptance to me. Felt like a resignation. And that was the the feel I've got. The the point at which you are resigned to your fate is the moment that you've gone. So so Saturday is going to tell us an awful lot about the the spirit and the character in this Everton dressing room. No, you're absolutely right. We do need a response down at Sowers Park. There's no doubt about that. Even just some sort of performance, more yeah. so the result. Of course, we need a result, but we need a response. We need to show some character. But looking a little bit away from the first team, Paddy. You know, you you go watch the under twenty ones at Everton quite frequently at Southport. There's been a lot of talk around Isaac Price obviously heading maybe to the continent, but also young Stanley Mills scored again in the in the mini derby, shall we call it. Uh, a lovely finish in reality. How, how good do you rate those two? There's been a lot of talk. Should those be those should those two be in and around the first team? Stanley Mills was on the bench against Fulham for the first time in a little while. You see them more than me. How highly do you rate those two? Yeah, I think we've been aware of those two for quite a while. And what tends to happen is you hear a bit of chatter when these lads are kind of 15, 16, 17. That was definitely around about Isaac Price from a very early age. Slightly later, I'd say, with with Stanley Mills. But Stan's development was kind of derailed a little bit by a serious injury he got not long after he joined from Leeds. And I think he was, even last few years, he's been working his way back to full fitness. What I say about him is he's a tr- terrific athlete. You can play him in a mul- in kind of a multitude of different positions. And even this season, I've I said to somebody the other day, I've seen him play as a number eight, as a number 10, as a right winger, as a left winger, as a right wing back and a right back. Now that's great versatility, but ultimately he's going to have to stamp his mark in one position and make his mark in one position. For me at the moment, that looks most likely to be on the wing. I mean, it's 13 goals in 19 games now, which is a fantastic return for a winger. And the finish, as you mentioned, on Sunday against Liverpool was impressive. That was his weaker foot, lofted over the keeper. I thought the touch to bring it down was great as well. And nobody's really mentioning that. So an awful lot to like about Stan Stan Mills. When when a winger is scoring 13 and 19, the temptation is to suggest that they're too good for that level. And I think he is. I think what he needs to do now is either go out and play on loan for Everton, whatever it may be, but there needs to be that next step for him. And Isaac Price is in a very similar situation. Those two lads have, have been around the under-21 circuit for a while now. 
both pushing on. Price, as it stands, looks like he'll he'll leave. That's the most likely thing right now, although nothing at the moment, at the time of recording, is officially signed. Um, and he's a, he's a different player entirely. He's a, he's a ball player. Somebody I think Frank Lampard would have liked in time and would have integrated into the team. Still raw, still might not be the one for this relegation battle. And I think even less likely now when you consider that the news is out there that he's he's most likely leaving. So he actually started the game on Sunday on the bench and only came on because of an injury to Ina Everson, the, the central midfielder on, on the day. So whether he's going to get an opportunity between now and the end of the season, I think it's highly unlikely. I think it's highly unlikely Dyche will throw any youngsters in at this moment in time. And maybe the issue moving forward for Everton is how much Dyche trusts young players and how much he's willing to blood them. I think Mills, though, on the bench on, on Saturday for the first team, I think he deserves a ch- chance. I, I, I really don't see what harm it would do in the right context, bringing him on for 20 minutes here or there off the bench for the first team. Because you've got a lad that's in form there and a lad with attributes, somebody who can score goals. He's confident. He's confident, and I think that's a massive thing at the moment. When the chances come to Neil Morpay, he's not expecting to score. He's, he's missed so many recently, and he's 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 had such hard luck in front of goal that I think that weighs on players' minds. Mm. It's inevitable that it does. So there is something to be said for for a young lad full of confidence, full of energy, to to even just come off the bench for 10 to 15 minutes here or there and, and, and see what they can do. So I think I think Mills, if if there's anybody to do that, then it's probably Mills at this moment in time. Before Christmas, it may well have been Tom Cannon, who's obviously doing very, very well on loan at Preston. But there is some good talent in that team. That, that, that I, I enjoyed watching them on Sunday. And and, and actually, the 1-1 one, one scoreline was very flattering to Liverpool because Everton missed a glut of chances to to make that much more comfortable. Stand out to me were Mills and, and Jensen Metcalf. Jensen, a young central midfielder. Um, great pass and range off both feet and very tenacious. So so there were positive displays there. And, and obviously, in these games, you've got kind of an assortment of people in the director's area watching. Kevin Thelwell, Gareth Prosser, the, the academy manager was there, um, under-18s coaches, scouts, everybody there. It was, a, it was a pretty impressive performance, and the only shame was that they didn't get the results. So um, there's, talent, there's talent at the club. It just needs to be harnessed in the right way. Mm, yeah, I agree. And I do agree with you in terms of Stanley Mills maybe getting a bit of a run out of thought. Why not bring him on for the last 10, 15 minutes against Fulham? Nothing to lose. 3-1 down. The game was dead. Give him some minutes, give him some experience, and you know, he may see something in him, Sean Dodge, that he maybe he didn't already know, or you know, just give him some valuable minutes. And that must be frustrating. Just touching on Isaac Price, obviously, who looks likely to leave the football club to go over to the continent. Do you understand the frustration from Isaac Price? He feels frustrated, he feels like he should be in and around the first team. Under Frank Lampard, he was flirting with the first team a little bit more, and he was probably a bit more fancied by Frank Lampard than he is with Sean Deutsch. Do you think there's a clear pathway for these young lads? Because that's obviously a lot of a lot of the talk. There's not a clear pathway into the first team for these young lads. Do you think that's a fair statement? Uh, I think it's more of a fair statement than it was four or five years ago. I mean, Everton secured a lot of these young lads in the first place by pointing to how Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Mason Holgate and Tom Davies, to an extent, had broken through from their respective pathways and into the first team. The, the talk since then has been of 
the pathway being clogged, particularly when David Unsworth was there. And I think it's taken a while to to resolve these issues. The club is still working its way through some of the residual issues that were there from that period of time. You've now got a manager in Daesh who seemingly is, is less likely to blood some of these young players. And I think the, the, the trouble with Price is that everything was going in the right direction. He made his debut last season. He made his Premier League debut on the final day of the season against Arsenal. And then from the outside, the progress flatlines. It seems to stall. And if anything, he maybe went backwards in the pecking order because you had Lewis Warrington impressed so much in pre-season under Frank Lampard. And I think for a young player, that creates the feeling that you're almost going backwards and you're never going to get your opportunity. So a lot of these young lads come through and they're confident. I, I know for a fact Isaac Price is very confident in his own ability. He's always been a standout and he's always felt that. So I think he will feel right now that at 18, 19, he can push on and play regularly somewhere. So if that's not Everton, then they will look to go elsewhere. And that's that's how it is. What The other thing I'd add is that I don't think it's a problem specific to Everton. I think we see this across the board with, with a lot of young players who realise that Premier League academies are tough to get out of and Premier League first 11s are tough to get into. And because of how cutthroat it is as an environment, what we tend to see is that a lot of these youngsters are moving earlier to the continent, earlier and earlier. I mean, you've got Marcus Edwards that, that was out of Sporting Lisbon after after being at Tottenham. Um, other examples, uh, plenty of other examples really to, to draw on, Jude Bellingham, Jaden Sancho, various others. Everton had another one a few years ago with Mohamed Ali Cho, who's now at Real Sociedad. But he chose to leave Everton at 17 because he felt he could go to France in Ligue 1 and play straight away. He did. So players can see that pathway there. They can see that there's an opportunity to kind of turbo charge and kickstart their careers. And that's why they're taking it. I mean, time will tell whether it's it's the right move for Isaac Price. It does not always work out that way. Um, and he might end up coming back, who knows, to a, to, to a Premier League club or another another club after a year or two, maybe at Liège. Um, but, it, but it's a blow. It's definitely a blow to Everton. He's one of four or five you look at below the first team and you think he's got a chance. That that That's the thing. You're, the chatter is always that he's got a chance of being a Premier League player. And people think that about Price. People think that about Ishe Samuel-Smith, who was on the first team bench on, on Saturday. Some people think that about Tom Cannon and Stan Mills, Lewis Warrington. So to lose one of those lads is is disappointing. Um, and yeah, if if it is completed, that would be a blow. Do you think now Sean Dyche has got to sit down with Kevin Thowell and work out a plan to keep the likes of Stan Mills happy? I mean, keep him in and around the first team to, to show these players that there is a pathway because obviously, like you've said, it is a blow yeah. to, to lose price, especially for, for just a compensation fee, so to speak. You've got to now maybe learn from that, haven't we? Surely as a football club and think, right, what what can we do different to keep these lads happy and to keep them eager to, to break into the first team and not move on to the continent where you men might get an earlier chance? What what do you think they've got to do to, to prevent that? Well, the, the first thing that you need is an, is alignment. And that's kind of a Sean Dyke buzzword. So I've ended up talking, I've been in so many Sean Dyke press conferences that I end up sounding like him, uh, which is a worrying thing. But I think the first thing you need is alignment across 
under 18s, 21s, all the way through to the first team. You need the first team manager on board, you need the director of football and, and the youth coaches on board. And it's this is this player's pathway. And we're going to stick to it as much as possible. And then we can show this player how and when he's going to get into the first team setup. Now that is taking place. One of the things they did since Kevin Felwell came in was appoint a player development lead, a guy called Dan Machici, who was at Arsenal, was with England. I think he managed assistant manager with Crawley Town for a while and a few others came with a really good pedigree um, earlier this year. And he effectively is now in charge of creating those individual pathways for players. So it's, let's take, for example, Stanley Mills. He might sit down with Stan and go, we want you to improve X, Y, and Z in your game. This is how you become a Premier League player. And in order to do that, we're going to work individually with you on the training ground, which Dan Machici does. But then we're also going to have you doing alone next season which means that you play regular games at League One level, for example. The next year, you're going to get a championship loan, and then year three, you come back, and here's the pathway, because we won't have a winger at that point in our, a right winger at that point in our first team. So that's the plan. They are doing that. And for me, it all hinges on how much Daesh buys into the pathway, and whether he's on board with it being, well, in a couple of years, you're going to have Stanley Mills in your first team squad. Um, so, so let's see how that goes. We've got, not really got much evidence to fall back on. I suppose I, in, in that sense, I'm paying quite close attention to Nathan Patterson. I think Patterson's a really good case study here for, for Daesh's Everton and what it's likely to look like. Because there's a young player who's clearly the future of the club at right back once Seamus Coleman's retired. But they need to manage him in this in this phase, not playing much. Does he feel there are opportunities? Is he getting the opportunities? I think that will tell us a lot about the kind of the direction of travel moving forward. Mm, it's going to be interesting. Before you go, Paddy, I asked you last time and I'm going to come to you again, mate. The three teams to get relegated. I'm putting you on the spot, mate. I've got to do it. Who are um, your three to go down? Right, so the three teams are Southampton, Forest and Leeds. Purely because I can't bring myself to say Everton. As the third one. And I don't want to end on a pessimistic note. I do feel that Saturday was a big blow to, to Everton's hopes. I, I think this will ultimately come down to two or three points here or there. So losing at home to a Fulham side without Mitrovic and on a bad run, I think was pretty catastrophic, really. Yeah. In terms of the hopes for the rest of the season. Everton are still in this still in the relegation battle. They've still got a decent chance to get out, but they're going to have to pull a result from somewhere. They're going to have to... A couple of wins here or there, as I said to you earlier, a couple of wins here or there, and I think you're basically safe, given how tight and congested it is. But it's just finding those games where you pick up the points. They need to get, they need to get back on, on the board very quickly after these, after these hiccups in recent weeks. Um, and the quicker they do that, the more chance they've got. So... Let's go with Leeds. Let's go with Leeds as that third team and let's cling on to that. As, and we'll thing. take that all day. Yeah, we'll I'll, take that all day. However however it comes, I just hope it doesn't go down to the final day. That just it, It's too much to ask there. Agreed. I absolutely agree. Paddy, thanks for joining me, mate. It's, been, it's a real, real pleasure. That is Paddy Boyling from The Athletic, as always. Keep an eye on a view from the Boyling to social media channels for all the latest news coming out of Goodison Park and Finch Farm. We'll be back very, very soon. Take care and all the very best. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.